The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time, she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation, and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about communicating effectively. And if we communicate effectively, we can hopefully de-escalate conflict. We can listen effectively so that as you know, conflict doesn't rear its ugly head. Obviously, conflict is going to happen because people have different perspectives, but we don't have to turn it into something nasty. It can turn into something positive. And so I have this book in front of me called How to Communicate Effectively and Handle Difficult People, and it's by Preston Nee, who's a professor of communication study. And let me tell you a little bit about him. He's coming to us from Northern California. Professor Nee is a professor, coach, trainer, and course designer in the area of interpersonal effectiveness, professional communication, cross-cultural understanding, and organizational change. And he's been doing this for about 20 years. He has worked with companies including Fortune 500 stalwarts, Microsoft, Hewlett-Packard, Lockheed Martin, Intel, Visa, and eBay as well as coaching executives, managers, and private individuals to identify their catalysts for success. Obviously, we know that if you're a good communicator, that's going to help you to be more successful. Uh, Professor Nee uh, received a Master of Science degree, degree in Business Administration and tenured faculty, and he's tenured faculty at Communication Studies Department at Foothill College in the Silicon Valley up in Northern California. And he holds a certificate in the Management Development Program at Harvard University. And he is a 2012 Fellow of the Stanford University Human Rights Education Initiative. And he is the author of this book I just told you about that I have sitting right in front of me, Communication Success. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He has another book called Communication Success with Four Personality Types. And then this one, how to communicate effectively and handle difficult people. So you can learn a lot more about him at www.nipreston.com. 
So thank you so much for joining us, Preston. Hi, Mari. Thank you for having me on your show, and thanks for that wonderful introduction. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, we all know that people need to be good communicators. I'm going to be doing a program just, you know, coming up about organizational influence. And one of the big things that people gave me feedback about before the class is that they feel that they really need to improve their communication skills. So obviously, it's a it's a big deal. So how would you describe an effective communicator? Well, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I think good communicators are are made, they're not born. And unfortunately, in our society today, so few, uh, so few of us have a real opportunity in school, for example, to learn how to be an effective communicator. And as the result, um, the majority of us have good intentions, but sometimes we run into problems because we lack the effective communication skills necessary to relate well to people and to solve problems. So um, I consider, first and foremost, um, one of the most important aspects of effective communication to be the ability to, number one, relate to people well, and number two, even when you disagree with people, even when there are disputes, we, even when you don't like someone, that you still have the ability to work with this person well enough so they can solve problems together. Uh, so that's one of the keys to effective communication. And I know you talk about this, and I know for me, w- what I teach when I'm mediating and what I do when I'm mediating is to really be a good communicator, you also have to be, you know, a very effective listener, right? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, one, of the thing, one of the things that I talk about in my book uh, that's a characteristic of effective communication is the ability to validate feelings. And in order to validate feelings, what we need to do is to listen to the, emotion, to the emotional content of what a person is saying. Uh, it can be either positive emotions or negative emotions. And studies tell us that when we hear someone conveying something positive uh, in emotional content and we say something to validate it, such as, you know, you sound really excited about this, or, you know, I'm happy to see that you're so happy about this, that not only do they feel uh, even happier, uh, they tend to repeat more desirable behaviors, whether they are our kids or our friends or our coworkers, and then our relationship with them improves. On the other hand, if they're having a bad day or if they're angry, perhaps angry with you, and we say something uh, to validate their feelings, uh, even if they're negative feelings, such as, you know, I'm so sorry to to uh, to know that you you're angry with me right now, or I can see that you're having a rough time right now. When we validate someone's negative emotions. Uh, not only do their negative emotions tend to decrease, in psychology we call it disarming a person, uh, a person's negative emotions, that that person's undesirable behavior decreases and we still get to improve our relationship with this person so that he or she is more cooperative. So one of the most important aspects of listening is just, it's not just listening to the words, but to the emotional content of what a person is trying to express. And if we can validate the emotion, we generally um, achieve greater cooperation with that individual. And when you were just talking about disarming, you know, in mediation, we call it reframing. So, exactly. So if someone says, you know, I'm mad at you because, you know, because you didn't meet me on time and you say, oh, I understand that you're upset with me that uh, that I was late. I apologize. So that that immediately disarms or reframes. You, you don't say, you know, being late or I mean, you don't you don't use the same nasty language. You soften it a little bit, but you keep the intent that they're upset 
rather than angry, because that, that is something that's a little bit softer than angry. <laughs> exactly. You, you it's reframing is, an, uh, is the same thing from a mediation perspective. Right, right. You're essentially echoing a person's emotions back. And we don't have to agree with someone right. to say, you know, I, I see you're angry with me right now. I'm not saying I agree with you. All I'm saying is I, I, I witnessed that. And oftentimes that, that allows the other person to feel that uh, he or she's being heard. And that's yes. essential in lower person in lowering a person's defenses so that we can now talk about the issue. Right. Even saying, you know, I really hear your concerns and I feel so bad about that. Let's talk about it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, that it's it's wonderful to be able to do that. You know what I was thinking and you probably see this a lot too and I have two kids who are already one they're both out of college and they're both out in the real world, but they they text me a lot and I just wonder and I, and I know this is even worse in high school and, and younger kids, but what's happening to communication when, when people are texting and communicating through emails and Facebook and they're not talking like you and I are talking? What, what is that doing to our society? Oh, my, Mari. Do you have uh, an hour extra to, <laughs> for me to answer this? Um, yeah, this is a really um, big topic, obviously. Um, more and more, especially with younger people, um, they are using digital means or electronic means to communicate. Um, that's not necessarily bad unless uh, it replaces real face-to-face -face, um, or even over the phone human communication. Right. Where, again, you can pick up a person's emotions as you interact with one another. You know, this just reminds me of what a friend said to me a while ago when he met three new acquaintances and they all went out to dinner. And over dinner, uh, there was very little face-to-face -face conversation. Uh, while his three acquaintances, they were texting through the whole <laughs> dinner. So, um, and, and we're seeing more and more of this type of communication digitally. And um, it concerns me as a communications uh, uh, professor because we miss out so much on, on the possibility of closeness and intimacy and, and true understanding of one another when we don't hear a person's voice, when we don't get to see a person's body language, and when we're not very clear on, when we're, when we're less clear on how a person is feeling emotionally you know, because we only get to uh, read the short text messages. Uh, so, so much, uh, there could be so much room for misunderstanding there, and so much uh, uh, real content is missed out as far as where this person is really coming from when we try to communicate through these short text messages. Um, they, they have their usefulness, uh, but I don't uh, believe they are adequate when it comes to a real human communication. And unfortunately, many kids, uh, they do substitute texting for real human communication, and it's it's regrettable. And we we hear of people breaking up with each other, breaking up with each other by by text, or employers are even firing employees by text. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think that's uh, uh, an appropriate way to handle uh, relationships. Uh, not to mention that you know a lot a lot of suffering can happen, especially in personal relationships, when we try to communicate in these short uh, kind of sound bites rather than really sitting down with a person and trying to understand where each other's coming from in order to solve problems and enhance relationships. You know, Preston, I had to actually change my retainer agreement for my mediations, and I have in bold letters that that we are, we are not to try and negotiate through email or texting. Right. 
that we that email and texting are great for setting an appointment. You know, that's quick. Um, for email, just, you know, transferring information. We encrypt it. We transfer it. Then everybody can look at it. But I have had to literally write that in there because people wanted to negotiate by email. And I find that, like, exactly what you said, first of all, you don't hear the intonation. You, you don't understand if somebody's kidding, you know, if right, they're trying exactly. to add levity. It sounds really rude. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I myself have gotten caught. I thought I was being cute one time and somebody took it really negatively. And, boy, was that a lesson for me not to do that. Right, we, we miss out on so much when we only communicate yeah. uh, electronically. This is true uh, in negotiation. Yes. This is true um, with online dating. Um, there, there are many articles published that warns people, uh, that, that warn people who uh, date online. What, what you read and how you communicate with somebody online through online dating services is not necessarily, in, in most cases, is not anything remote, uh, remotely close to the person you're going to meet. Yes. When you see this person, when you meet this person face-to-face. And so when people rely on Facebook or texting as their primary way of relating or communicating, uh, they're, they're actually not building, uh, in many ways, they're not building real relationships. The relationships they have is actually with Facebook as a platform or yes. with, with text messages. This doesn't mean that you can't get to know someone you know, in, in those, through those mediums. Uh, it's possible, but the more... Um, the more, the, the, the quicker we tend to communicate with each other through these means, you know, with these short soundbite messages, the yeah. less we're likely to really get to know someone uh, via these uh, mediums. And just think about it, you know, the young people trying to get jobs, right? right? I mean, it's so important that they communicate effectively, that they go in and an interview and they interview well. And how can they interview well if, if all they're used to doing is, is texting, texting? I remember one time I, I went to this house of a friend of mine and they had, they had three teenagers. The three teenagers were like your friends sitting at, at lunch or dinner. They were all just communicating through texting right. instead of talking to each other. Now, how, how are they going to be effective in the working world unless our working world changes entirely? Maybe that's what's happening. Do you think that's going to happen? Um, I think it may happen to, a, to an extent. Um, I've, I'm already seeing it with, with my college students. Uh, they, they're generation, they're millennials, and, uh, and they're generation um, X and Y and Z in some cases. And I see, I see this trend in the way they write messages to me, uh, even in some of their papers. Um, so th- there is cause for concern that the, you know, the great art of communication is being lost, especially with the younger generations. Um, having said that, uh, each generation uh, redefines communication in some way, shape, or form. Uh, you know, with, with the boomers, uh, we relied on telephone a lot as, as a means right. of communication that right. the traditionalists w- would complain about. You know, you, you kids are talking on the phone too much when right. you should be sitting down and writing letters. Um, so each generation redefines communication, and we'll just, we'll just, we'll just have to see how it turns out. Um, what, what I am concerned about when it comes to texting and even Facebook is that you can, you can text and Facebook someone for 10 years and never truly know what that person's emotional reality is like. And un- unless you know that, you can never feel uh, a genuine close relationship with, yes. with that individual. And with, young, with younger generations, they're more likely to have that kind of relationship where you text somebody or you Facebook somebody and you never 
go, you never, you never uh, reflect any genuine in-depth emotions because, because your messages are really brief and short. They, they, tend to fa- focus, they tend to focus on sound bites rather than how you are, how you're doing um, truly. Yes. Um, and, and if that's the only way with which you communicate, uh, you do lose the, the art of communication, which is to be able to sit down with someone and let that person know your heart and soul and yes. allow the other person to share with you the same thing. We don't have to do this with everybody, but with people whom we care about in our lives. It's, it's, it's essential. Yes. How would you communicate with your kids um, if you don't know how to do it yourself, you know, when you have kids one day? Yes. And it seems to me that at least if you would, okay, so if you're going to meet somebody, at least Skype with them. You know, right. where you see their face, you watch what they're saying, you make sure that it's really that person instead of what, what they call that catfishing. Right. <laughs> where you don't know. I mean, I, I never did online dating. You know, I've been married long enough that I haven't been doing that. But mm-hmm. but I, you know, I worry about hearing about catfishing where somebody is pretending to be somebody else. And Oh, yes. I mean, this is online identity theft, which is one of my expertise. So I, you know, I am a little bit more cautious on this kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I think also when people are anonymous, when they're able to be in chat rooms and be anonymous and communicate that way, they um, they aren't caring as much about maybe the social uh, protections that we, you know, that people can be meaner, right? Right. They, they play a role rather than, well, they, they feel anonymous, so they feel safer in being, you know, uh, right. in being however they like and, and rather and relatively protected. And sometimes, you know, the, how they like to be um, under that sh- uh, shroud of uh, privacy or, or, uh, or being anonymous is not so pleasant. Uh, so, yeah, that is, a, that is a big problem. Yeah, I mean, and that leads to bullying and all sorts of stuff like that. In your communication classes, do you, do you deal with that kind of stuff too, that kind of the dark side of communication? Yes. Uh, as you mentioned, I have a book called How to Communicate Effectively, Handle Difficult People, and we spend a portion of our class on just that topic. How do you address people's negativity? How do you deal with uh, people's nastiness? And, and, and when you are having difficult emotions, uh, towards yourself, towards others. How do you address those? So we spend a good portion of time learning how to. Uh, I mean, you're an, you're a mediation expert, Mari, and in my classes, I try to coach my students to become comp- at the minimum competent uh, with handling difficult emotions and difficult individuals in their lives. Right, right. Now, um, let me ask you. I, I saw in your book, and I I really like that right away. You have these fundamental human rights and. Um, and you, you say we have these rights as long as we don't harm others. If we harm other people, then we forfeit our right to have these rights. So these were some of the rights that, that really affect our communications, and I, I thought they were great. Thank you. Um, I, I don't know if you have your book in front of you to remind you or if you want me to read them, but you can yes. talk. Yes. Go okay. Ahead. That's it's on page ten. You mm-hmm. know, it's like we have the right to be treated with respect. Oh my God, that is like number one in mediation. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, when people are treated disrespectfully, that totally creates conflict, right? That's exactly right. And um, I, I can just talk about this in a couple of ways. Um, one of the probably the single most important reason why people divorce in the U.S. is, is due to disrespect. Uh, Dr. Mm. Dr. John Gottman, professor of psychology at the University of Washington, after 20 years of research, concluded that, that the single most 
predictor, the, the single uh, strongest predictor of divorce, even for, mar- even for couples who are madling love still, uh, if, if there are signs of contemptuous communication mm-hmm. where they show uh, personal judgment, personal attack, sarcasm, uh, it predicts a higher prob- far higher probability of divorce uh, down the line. So uh, this respect is really one of the fundamental reasons why relationships fall apart, whether between parent and child or between romantic partners or between uh, coworkers and, and associates. Now, at a larger scale, these fundamental human rights, they, they apply globally as well, of course, uh, when, when communities and countries don't, don't respect one another. Uh, not, not only does that create friction between countries, uh, ultimately people in general uh, suffer. Yes. Uh, so many of these fundamental human rights on, on page 10 of, this, of, of my book are based on the United Nations uh, Basic Declaration of Human Rights. And one of the projects that I've been working on is in connection with Stanford University to advance human rights education in the classroom where we uh, combine effective communication uh, with uh, the championing, the, the advancement of human rights, so that, number one, students know what their rights are from their right to be treated with respect, regardless of their background, uh, to respecting others. And then they, to, they, and then they utilize communication skills to um, to create various projects in order to uh, help advance human rights in areas that they choose to uh, uh, advance a particular cause, from women's rights to children's rights to uh, reducing human trafficking, so on and so forth. So in, in this way, they combine effective communication uh, with, with applied learning to, to literally practice a respectful communication and see, see the power of that type of communication bear fruit uh, in, in real life. Oh, yeah, I see it all the time when people are disrespectful. And and that gets to the whole bullying stuff, you know, that even if you are anonymous, be respectful. And I know even me, I've been in chat rooms and, uh, you know, listservs with with lawyers. And um, I'll see this disrespect and it just shocks me sometimes what people feel that they can say online that that, you know, flippantly or something. So I, I was so glad to see that that was number one, because I know that um, if you respect someone that they feel, you know, they feel legitimized as people. And that really helps, just like you were talking about before. You have another one here. We have the right to express our feelings, opinions and wants. Now, this one you have to be careful about, huh? As long as long as we don't dis, uh, as long as we don't harm other people. Right. That that uh, under that context. Right. So, right. If, if, uh, so in the book, uh, it says right on top, we, have, we, we can exercise these rights, and we should exercise these rights as long as we don't harm other people. You can express your opinion, but if they are clearly, harm, they are clearly harmful. You, know, you can't yell fire in a theater, for example. Right, right. Um, you can express your opinion as long as they don't cause harm towards others. If you do that, then you forfeit your right. Right. And, and you go back to the, they're cumulative. So if you express your feelings without disrespecting somebody, or your opinion without disrespecting somebody, right? And that's possible with the application of effective communication. You can, you can be very assertive with uh, where you're at and what's important to you, and you can do so without deliberately or, or even unintentionally harming another person right. so that uh, the relationship is, is maintained and you have the best chances 
of resolving problems or difficulties with an individual. Right. And the less you hurt somebody, let's face it, the less you hurt somebody, the more likely you're able to get that person's cooperation and, and resolve issues. And sometimes it does require that you stand up for yourself and be strong and firm. And we have many communication skills that can help with that type of assertive communication without, um, without causing uh, harm to, to, the, uh, to the other side. And, of course, Mari, that's what mediation is all about as well. Yes. And it's, it's, isn't it really all about watching boundaries? Exactly. Yeah. I know you, you have a lot of the different communication styles and the, um, what's destructive and what's constructive. Let's talk about some successful conflict resolution styles in relationships. Can sure. you do that? Sure. Um, well, there, there's a list of them. Uh, let me just emphasize, I would say that the most important conflict resolution technique that I would recommend is to separate the person from uh, the issue, uh, whatever the issue is or the difficult is that you're talking about. Whenever we communicate with someone, there are always two elements present. Um, so if I'm having an argument with my friend, um, there's the relationship I have with my friend, and there's the issue that I'm arguing with my friend about. Uh, smart communicators who know how to reduce conflict, not, not uh, re- increase conflict, smart communicators know how to separate the relationship uh, from the uh, issue, and you can be you can be very firm on the issue. You know, uh, I can I can tell my friend John, uh, I'm not happy with what happened last night. Uh, I feel angry about it. I feel disappointed. And at the same time, you can maintain the relationship by communicating um, something that's soft on the person. John, you're a friend of mine, and I really treasure our friendship. That's why I'm so disappointed that last night you know, such and such happened. So by by maintaining both types of communication at the same time, by being soft on the person and firm on the issue at the same time, uh, we maximize the possibility of maintaining at least a workable relationship. You don't have to like someone to, to have a working relationship with someone. So being soft on the person, on the person means we can maintain, we can try our best to maintain a working relationship or better, and at the same time, by being firm on the issue, and also by having strong problem-solving skills, we maximize the possibility of uh, resolving a difficulty and having the friendship uh, or the relationship survive. Right. And you talk in your book, and this is what we always teach as well, is about I messages versus you messages. Oh, yeah, that's so important. Yeah. So, yeah. again, if you tell them you're an idiot for doing that, you're obviously mixing, you know, your, your heart on the person and the issue, and you want to say, gee, you know, I when this happened, I felt very uncomfortable and I would hope, I would like to ask that you, you know, in the future, that when you're doing something like that, that you contact me first or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the I versus the you mm-hmm. a little bit. Okay. Well, I language, and then there are alternatives to I language as well. Let me just give you, an, uh, let me just offer a specific example. When, when we use you language uh, in the form of a directive, a directive would be, uh, a judgment or a criticism or, or bossing a person around. If I want to use you language, I may use the phrase, uh, Mari, um, you need to look into this. Now, if I say that, what, what, would, what is your first reaction? What do you think? If I say, Mari, you, you like should... I feel like I'm being bossed. Huh? I feel like I'm being bossed. Yeah, you feel like you're being request. bossed around because, yeah. because the focus of that statement is, is the word you. So you is like... Uh, verbal finger pointing, right? No, right nobody right. likes to have a finger pointed in front of their face. And if I say you, you, you should, you have to, you need to, you better, 
uh, or you people, that's one of, one of my favorites, you people, <laughs> uh, people feel like they're being bossed around. They're, they feel like they're being uh, put on a spot. And not uh, respected, right? Disrespected. So naturally they will feel defensive uh, rather than open to what you have to say. Now, we can say the same thing. We can say the same we can communicate the same message without the word you. I can say, for, for example, uh, Mari, I would like you to look into this, or Mari, you know, it's really important to look into this. Mm-hmm. If I say it is really important, the focus of that statement is not on you anymore. It's on it. And, and, the is- and so the issue is it's outside of a person. It lowers people's defensiveness right. and, and uh, reduces the possibility of somebody saying no. I can also say, you know, we need to look into this, or let's look into this, um, or this has to be looked into. Uh, so using I language and what I call alternatives, I, it, we, let's, this, uh, allow us to say what we want to say and, and have the listener be open uh, to what we have to say. And we can be very firm using this type of language. I can say, hey, Mari, you know, this has to be looked at today. Right. But, but that statement gives you very little room to say uh, no, I mean, we, we tend not to say no, or we tend not to respond in the negative to, to I language and alternatives. So that's the power of effective communication. And I language and these alternatives that I just outlined uh, are just uh, one set of examples which uh, enable effective communication. They lower defensiveness. They allow the listener to be open to what we have to say. Well, Preston, believe it or not, we are out of time. This oh my. is really, wasn't that fun? Yeah, that was fun. Okay, so we have been speaking with Preston Nee, who is the author of this wonderful workbook, How to Communicate Effectively and Handle Difficult People. Preston, why don't you just give your website and then it's time for us to go? Sure. Uh, if anybody wants to download an excerpt of this book plus uh, or any other publications, please visit my website, www.kneepreston.com. That's N I, like Nancy Irving, N I. P-R-E-S-T-O-N dot com. Well, thank you so much, Preston. I hope we get to meet soon in the future. Me too. Thanks so much, Mari. Okay, great job. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. right here on KUCI and visit our website at conflicthealing.com where you can download podcasts, you can listen to archived interviews, you can write us emails, you can see some of the articles we've written, and we'd love to hear from you by email. Thanks. expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.